You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast on Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a proud affiliate of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Evan Lang, and with me, as always, is my comrade in arms, Skylar Timmons. Skylar, how are you doing this morning? Uh, Very good, because it is Batman Day on the day that we're recording. So, I like Batman. Good stuff. We'll watch the Dark Knight trilogy later today. Is, is Batman Day like an official designation for Yes, Septem- September 16th is his first appearance in the comics. I did not know that. So, That's fun. Good stuff. Who is your favorite Batman? Me. No. Uh, no, that's a tough one. Well, if we're talking just strictly Batman, it's always going to be Kevin Conroy as not that weird stuff he did in the CW garbage stuff, but actual voice of Batman. TV show, TV shows, video games, all that good stuff. Uh, live action Batman. It's getting tough, but my favorite movie is Robert Pattinson's The Batman. I thought that movie was okay. That movie is perfect, it. Evan. It's perfect. It's the it perfect was... Batman movie. I mean, the perfect Batman movie. No, it's it's perfect batman movie mask of the phantasm is pretty good that doesn't count sure it does that's a a cartoon it's got batman in it it's a cartoon uh but conroy is the best batman the voice of batman in the animated series from the 1990s as well as batman in several animated features and the arkham uh trilogy of video games he's awesome he's great Mm -hmm. uh i will also point people to an article i wrote last year in March when the Batman was coming out about the Rockies history and the records whenever a new Batman movie was in theaters they haven't been very good when a Batman movie comes out I mean they haven't been very good when a Batman movie isn't coming out hey but I looked at those records (laughs) well well we have a lot to talk about here today so we might as well just dive right into it and the first major Topic of discussion that we have is the return of Chris Bryant off of the injury list for his broken index finger um, back in, what was it? Was it June or July? Chris the end of July. Got, end of July. Chris Bryant got basically plunked by Marlins pitching in three straight games in a series down in Miami. Um, and one of those broke his uh, finger. And so he went on the IL, a very similar injury to uh, what happened to Charlie Blackman earlier in the season as well, where unfortunately just getting hit by a pitch really unluckily caused that injury. Uh, but Chris Bryant is back, and, you know, overall, it's only been four games that he's been back so far, but he's not been bad. Uh, he's four for 15 with two home runs and four RBIs. He's walked twice and struck out three times uh, for an OPS of 1.020. And Skyler, what are your thoughts on Chris Bryant returning to the lineup after all this time? 
Uh, it with that contract, it's good whenever he gets on the field, when he's in the box, because I still like Chris Bryant. He's a good player. He's a good hitter. Uh, he's just had some really bad luck and has not been particularly the MVP caliber type of player the Rockies hope for. But he's going to go in there and take professional at bats. And when he gets a hold of one, like those home runs, when he gets hot, he's a good hitter. He's got that power. He's got that pop. He gets on base. He's got five. He's scored five runs during that Cubs series and into the the Giants series. And on the day that we're recording, he's starting game one of a true doubleheader. And so we'll see how he does over the rest over the weekend. But it's just good to have him on the field because he just brings a different, I guess, kind of like Charlie Blackman. They bring that veteran presence into the lineup where, yeah, he's not going to be bashing homers as much as we would want him to and be, you know, that big power threat with the doubles and everything. But he he's going to go up there and give you a professional at bat and really help, you know, lengthen that lineup a bit is what we've talked about in the past is Bryant helps lengthen that lineup because there's a lot of rookies and they're struggling. So you can plug him into that two or three hole and just kind of push some guys a little bit further down. We've seen Ryan McMahon batting in like a five hole more and more. So lengthening out that lineup, it's just good to have KB healthy in the lineup, playing first base. I haven't seen anything egregious there and DHing. It's good to have him back for what we're paying him. Yeah, Brian is always going to be a perfectly cromulent first baseman. He has a decent amount of history playing first base at a major league level when he was with the Cubs. And I don't really have a problem with him slotting in at first base. We've talked about this before. The main problem of his return is that it has unfortunately affected the amount of playing time that Hunter Goodman has been getting where Hunter Goodman really hasn't played that much over the last four games. I believe he has one start and has pinch hit twice. Um, and that is the downside of Brian returning is with that contract. Well, you've got to play him. Um, but that is unfortunately coming at the expense of one of the rookies getting decreased playing time. And that's something that the Rockies are going to have to figure out, especially with through the end of this season and in next season, because Chris Bryant's not going away. His contract is largely unmovable and he's, he's signed for the long term with a true no, no trade clause. But, with a young team getting younger, you need to be finding playing time for the young guys. And, you know, thankfully we've had, like we've said before, Ezekiel Tovar, Nolan Jones, Brenton Doyle, they've all cemented themselves as mainstays in this lineup for the season. Um, but Hunter Goodman really hasn't. The trade-off, funnily enough, is that Alaris Montero has been getting a lot of playing time and he's been doing very, very well. Uh, particularly, he's been playing first base and designated hitter, but those are the same two spots where, Hunter Goodman is really going to start uh, particularly often. And, you know, thankfully, Hunter Goodman has that additional flexibility. He is starting in right field for the first game of the doubleheader this afternoon. But next year, especially, whoever is managing this team for how they build the lineup, they're going to need to wait, need to find ways to regularly have Chris Bryant in this lineup and also make sure that the young guys are getting their playing time. Mm-hmm. And also just the nature, it could be a number of things. Hunter Goodman, his last couple of bats, he's getting some bad tendencies. They talked about it on like the the Rockies broadcast. No, he's getting out on his front foot a little more. So some bad tendencies 
are starting to leak it through for him. So he, he's probably working on stuff behind the scenes with Bam Bam Mullins and whatnot. But just the nature of baseball, it's going to be a disproportionate of playing time for guys. And some I've noticed the Rockies bench is kind of awful. At the moment, there's nobody reliable. I was thinking about it you know, the other night of, man, I miss a Mike Moustakis type to come up in this situation with you know, a runner on second in a big situation. And here comes, you know, <laughs> you'd say like a Brenton Doyle with a 198 batting average. But that's something that they have fear. So if Hunter Goodman you know, can turn into that, really learn how to be a really good bench piece, where yeah, maybe he gets one or two starts during a week, but he's coming off the bench and you no know, critical situations can be a, a good pinch hitter because we saw a couple times in that Cubs series. He comes in, gets a huge hit, or he gets on base as a pinch hitter. So it's things that you're trying to manage of where can these guys fit into a role. Because baseball, in general, I think baseball teams work better when you have your set one through nine lineup of these are our regular staples day in and day out. And then here's a couple of guys that we can plug in as needed throughout the week who can then come in and, and deliver and, and whatnot. So it's kind of the downside. Yeah, you want him to be out there getting as many at bats, as many games as possible. But there, there's also the reality of Chris, well, Charlie Blackman. We, we're going to put him out there. We're going to get him in the lineup as much as possible because he's Charlie Blackman. So we're going to throw him out in right field and he's going to DH. Um, when he's DHing, well, then <laughs> Hunter Goodman or somebody can play out in right field. But then Chris Bryant's going to be playing first base. We want Chuck in lineup. He's DHing or in right field. Montero's got the hot bat. So they're just kind of juggling, trying to figure out who's going to be our staples moving forward. And now if Hunter Goodman at the moment probably isn't at the top of that list in the in the depth chart, but he's up there. And so maybe he's just working on some things. Be good to get him back to to that hot streak that he came out of the gate with. Because now teams are adjusting and he's swinging at bad pitches. He's out on his front foot. He just hasn't taken good looking at bats in his last couple of games. Yeah. And you're right that the Rockies don't have a particularly good bench. You know, we traded Mike Moustakis and that was that was the right move, but you really miss him at a time where our two major bench pieces, pieces right now are Harold Castro and Austin wins. Yeah. <laughs> when you, you don't have any guys that no, you don't have a Jason Giambi type. There's nobody that can really come in bottom of the ninth, two outs, winning run at second. You don't have a, a guy that can come up there and be a big bopper. You have a, oh, I hope he can hit a ground ball that just skirts through into left field. Well, and it's, I know we trash a lot on Harold Castro, but he has taken some good at bats this year. Uh, he's got a decent number of RBIs. He's been overall not great, though. And it, it's, it's a bummer when guys like Hunter Goodman are on the bench, but then guys like, you know, Cole Tucker, who was designated for assignment, he cleared waivers and was outrighted to AAA Albuquerque. Um, Coco Montez, other guys who you could be bringing up to try and develop into these bench bat roles. Mm-hmm. And instead we've got, you know, these two gentlemen and and they're not without completely without merit though. Harold Castro more so, uh, you know, with that one of the worst wins above replacement in 
all of the league. Um, and wins brings to the table the good relationship he has with the pitching staff and being a solid defensive catcher, but he can't really hit. And that's why it gets so frustrating when you have what the Rockies have done a lot is they pull one of the rookies or something in what is, excuse me, in what is supposed to be a clutch at bat or clutch situation and go, oh, we're going to put in a veteran. But then that veteran is Harold Castro or earlier in the season jerks in Profar and they either strike out or they ground out weakly to the first baseman. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what was the point of that? The rookie could have done that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I think the Rockies are going to need to find a a, a more true bench bat piece than they have right now for yeah, the next season. I think with like the implementation of the universal DH, the Rockies just don't know how to build a bench, an American League bench, so to speak. Because you look at the in American League, they've had their entire history of knowing how to build out a bench with less pinch hit opportunities. And like Use utilizing guys in situations, whereas the Rockies just have a bunch of like little utility contact bats coming off the bench, which that's not what you want. You're not going to use them as often. That's just the nature with a DH. You're not going to pinch hit as often, but you still got to have reliable pieces on that bench to cycle them in. Whether they do get real regular playing time, they've got to learn how to contribute. And then if when they're not playing, they need to be able to come in cold and contribute off the bench, which is easier said than done. Yeah. But that's where like guys like, uh, or they can come in and draw a walk, get on base somehow. And we saw with the, with the giants critical situation, Brendan Crawford was going to be coming up to the plate. And with the bases loaded or with runners on, they pull him and back and bring in Wilmer Flores who draws a walk and gets on base. So they've got to figure out how to build that bench out because like we said, you're going to have your staples one through nine. Your Chris Bryant's are going to play your Charlie Blackman's are going to play and those other staples, but who's going to back them up that can no, not necessarily play to their caliber, but still is perfectly competent enough where you can feel comfortable you know, and, and pleased with them in their little bit of playing time that they get that success. Now, and that's something that Hunter Goodman could evolve into if he ate, you know, irons things out and gets a little bit more consistent he could be that kind of bat. Same with like a Sean Bouchard. Those types of guys, those types of players are perfect, perfect, you no know, bench options. But it's just a matter of getting them consistent and, you know, having guys like Chris Bryant is the beneficial where you can have him then kind of help mentor these guys with their, you know, extra hitting approach and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's something. Uh, so I wrote about, um, the return of Chris Bryant on my Thursday rock pile this past week. And that is something that I mentioned is that, you know, Chris Bryant is when he has been on the field, which admittedly has been rare over these first two seasons. Unfortunately, he's been pretty good with his bat defensively, not so much, but we're hoping to solve that problem with him playing more at first base and in a DH role moving forward. But with his bat, he's been productive. He's got, 10 home runs this season in 70 games and in twice the amount of games Ryan McMahon has 23 like the the pop is still there if he can get into a good rhythm and you know you look at things like zips projections and other stuff like that and he can very clearly still be a productive batter over the next couple seasons and probably even get 20 plus home runs if he stays on the field and it's really 
it's really wild because as as we've said time and time again, Chris Bryant wasn't particularly known as an injury prone player prior to his time with the Rockies. He really had only two stints on the IL over his entire career in 2018 and in 2020. And other than that, he's played, you know, 140, 150 games every season. And if Chris Bryant can return to that, be a productive hitter, mentor these young guys, that's going to provide a lot of value. It's not going to make up for the fact that his contract is is bad because it is, you know, seven years, 182 million full no trade clause and barely played the first two seasons. There's not a whole lot of recovery from that overall, but you can recoup some of that value if he is playing regularly, if he is providing offensive value, and if he is an important mentor figure to these young guys. Like, if it's a tandem of him and Charlie Blackman being a mentor to these kids that are coming up through the Rockies system, that makes the the contract a whole lot more easy to swallow, as it were. Yeah. And... I, and and we like KB. He's a he's a good dude. He's a overall good player. He's fun to watch. His teammates clearly like him. So if he can continue to do that while staying healthy for a change, yeah. And we've already seen the uh, those articles that come out of that quiet leadership role he has in the dugout and in the clubhouse. Uh, he doesn't seem like the most outspoken guy. He's kind of reserved, kind of quiet. It, it seems like, but behind closed doors and in, in the clubhouse, he's a leader of this team. And I'm sure a lot of these you know, younger guys look up to him you know, because he's the guy that has that pedigree. He's got the MVP. He's got the Rookie of the Year award. He's an all-star. He's got an, a world championship ring on his finger that I'm sure he probably can show that off sometimes. To oh, He's... <laughs> No, heck yeah, bring that into the clubhouse, show it around. No, this is what we're aiming for, fellas. No, he has that ability and that opportunity to be a, a really key leader, both on and off the field. And a big part of that will go towards helping that is, like you said, staying healthy. Because when your leader is healthy, he can then help rally the troops. Your general and captain is leading the charge instead of sitting back on a stretcher in the tent. <laughs> be like, go get him, fellas, and then goes back to scroll on his phone. No, he, he's him being on the field is really important for the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, we don't like that it takes away playing time, but that's just the nature of the game and the contract, the business, and both the Rockies and maybe even us as fans and, and people that cover it have to temper our own expectations and attachments to prospects. We're like, I want him to play, but Chris Bryant is who we've saddled our wagon or hitched our wagon to. So given choices between like Hunter Goodman and Chris Bryant, well, I'm going to have to take Chris Bryant on that field. Yeah. Now, and if it was Jerkson Profar and Hunter Goodman, then we're like, eh, we're going Goodman. Well, and, and now it's Harold Castro and Hunter Goodman. And the hope is that, you know, and I, I hate for anybody to lose a job, but the hope is that next year, Harold Castro is not here. And even even just having guys like, you know, Castro and even Austin wins not on the bench opens up bench opportunities for other guys, opens up more bench at bats for Hunter Goodman, lets you call up Willie McIver to be a backup catcher or lets Hunter Goodman be the backup catcher because, you know, Goodman is a catcher in addition to being first base and outfield. So 
next season is, I think, what we're really going to be need to look at with Bryant, with how the bench is constructed. The big thing next season is that, in my opinion, Bryant's got to play at least 100 games. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he can. And now yeah, that goes back to that bench of these guys, with some of these older guys, they're probably going to protect Bryant a little more, trying to rest him more, keep him healthy throughout the season. So no, like 120 games, that's kind of the goal, <laughs> the upper echelon of goals. Who can you have that can back him up and be key contributors? Maybe it's Alaris Montero, oh, those types of things. And the thing is, you can still have, like, Chris Bryant's not been a good outfielder this year. Like, that that's perfectly true. But you could still rotate him into right field occasionally mm-hmm. to put another guy at first base, to give Chuck a day off his feet, to change out who's going to be the DH for that game. It's it's another one of those things where, you know, the Rockies love their defensive versatility. And, you know, it is thankful that Brian has at least the ability to play a bunch of different positions. Does mm-hmm. he play them all well? No, but he can play at least some of them decently. You know, unlike... Harold Castro, who's very much a, a jack of tra- jack of all trades, master of none when it comes to his defensive versatility of he can play most positions. OK, but there's none he really excels at. And I think Bryant, you know, with his experience at third base, with his ability to play first and his history playing first, I think he can be a perfectly solid first baseman. Now, the problem is then you have to find spots for Elias Montero and Hunter Goodman and anyone else who can play first base. But it gives you a lot of ability to work with. Mm-hmm. I've been playing a new franchise in MLB The Show 23, where I actually just took, I usually just do fantasy draft, but I'm actually just taking the Rockies as they are built right now. And we're going to through a season, move Bryant to first base, and that's just shuffle him into right field when I need to. Somebody needs rest, and then you can plug in guys. It That defensive versatility and him being able to play first base opens up some doors for you know things going forward prospects that are you know possibly able to play next year that him being able to play first base now opens up opportunities for other guys moving forward and other bench spots and a lot of people and and this segment's run a little long so we'll wrap it up here but a lot of people you know will shout oh ian desmond oh daniel murphy here's the difference between chris bryant and ian desmond or chris bryant and daniel murphy Chris Bryant is not technically playing out of position by playing first base. Mm -hmm. Chris Bryant has been a first baseman before. Yeah. When he, no, with the Cubs, he played a bunch. They're just shuffling around, played in college. Uh, Played in high high school, I believe as well. Some first base. Yeah. When when you have a guy that can say, I already have a glove broken in. Like that's pretty good sign. He knows what he's doing over there. And it's pretty easy for a third baseman to become a first baseman. Yes, that it's a it's a skill set that translates a lot more evenly from one corner to the other versus like outfield to first or shortstop to first or Ian Desmond's case shortstop to outfield to first. Yeah, Ugh, what a weird career path that is. <laughs> uh, real quick before we take a break, so in your Rockies franchise mode, who's your starting nine? Um, let's see. I, I may not have my batting order, but Charlie Blackman leading off. Then I have, he's usually my DH. And then I have uh, Tovar at shortstop, Chris Bryant at first, Ryan McMahon cleanup, playing third. 
then Brendan Rodgers is batting fifth because I like a good right, left, right, left as much as I can. It's and very then satisfying. Nolan Jones in left field. And then after him, it's Diaz batting seventh. And then I have Michael Tolia has been my starting right fielder. And he's doing pretty good. And then I have uh, Brenton Doyle rounding things out in center field. Nice. That's the thing. It's like, get, I like consistent lineups. Also, uh, Brenton Doyle is also hitting like 220 in my franchise mode. So, eh, not better than he's hitting now. And that's on rookie mode. <laughs> better than he's hitting now, though. And, you know, Brenton Doyle, we'll, we all we got to do is wait and see. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, it's time to talk a little bit of pitching. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that ad break. Uh, I'm Evan with me is Skyler. And now, um, you know, we spent a long portion of that first half talking about the bench and talking about Chris Bryant. And now it's time to talk about pitching, specifically Chase Anderson, who... Mr. Anderson... That for that first game they played on Friday of that giant series was really wacky because mm-hmm. we carried a no hitter into the ninth inning. We were losing in <laughs> into the night into the eighth inning, and Chris Anderson had not Chris, pardon me, Chase Anderson had a really wild outing because he walked five batters and allowed an earned run specifically early in the game i think that sequence went like walk walk sack fly fielder's choice walk mm-hmm. and that's how the giants scored their first run well they scored that run on the on the fielder's choice they tried to get the double play throws it throws it to second but then they just hold it at second and so then the run scores and then that lasted <laughs> But he also finished the game with seven strikeouts, pitched the most pitches he has for the season so far at, I believe it was 101 or 102, and had a career high for getting people to chase, for getting people to swing and miss. Like Overall, that was probably, outside of the walks, the best we've seen Chase Anderson look so far this season. And Chase Anderson is interesting because, you know, he didn't start the season with this team. He played with two other teams before coming to the Rockies. And then he ends up with the Rockies... Um, I, we claimed him on waivers, didn't we? Yeah, we claimed him on waivers from the Tampa Bay Rays early in sometime in May. Because we, so just I remember, I change. remember his first start was when the Nuggets were in the playoffs. <laughs> so that just and, time in history is just blanked from your memory <laughs> a little bit. But overall, like he started pretty well with the with the Rockies, where his first few starts. Um, he wasn't necessarily getting the length out there. He was usually getting five innings, but not getting six, but only giving up, you know, one or two runs, sometimes three, and really not getting any run support from the Rockies. And then late June and into July, just was really struggling, getting hit a lot, giving up a lot of home runs, uh, multiple three home run appearances, and kind of was was a little all over the place but he would still have some flashes of of really solid performances like uh his July 22nd start in Miami 
he struck out six, walked one, and only gave up three earned runs. That'll play any day of the week. That's a quality uh-huh. start right there. But then he got hurt. And he's, uh, he's finally back with the Rockies rotation. And the question is, do you consider bringing back Chase Anderson for next season? We've got two ro- at least two rotation spots up in the air next year with Herman Marquez and Antonio Taylor recovering from their Tommy John surgery. And the question is, do you bring a guy like Chase Anderson back? Well, the first thing, uh, Evan, I believe he has said the magic word to the Rockies. And what is the magic word? I want to be here. Yay! That's when nine, times out of, nine times out of ten, that's enough to get you to stick around. It's basically the Pee Wee's Playhouse word of the day at this point, where I'm pretty sure in the Rockies front office, there's a screaming pterodactyl. The couches start talking. I'm pretty sure the refrigerator has a face on it. They just start going nuts. I've, uh, I've been in the Rockies clubhouse. I can confirm that is all true. <laughs> yeah, that screaming pterodactyl is pretty sweet. Uh a little unnerving for some of the rookies, though. They're, it takes some adjustment, is what I've heard. <laughs> it's often fighting with Dinger, too. Uh, <laughs> but he, he, he says the magic words. He want, He's informed the team he wants to be here next year, or he wants to come back if that's a possibility. And it, it's we're in a Jose Urania situation again, where he's, having, he's had some decent outings. Now, overall, Chase Anderson hasn't had a ton of success. The numbers don't look great, but he's been pretty serviceable at Coors Field. Has an ERA just under five there. Now, he's been a solid veteran rotation piece, and he's related to, he's another one of those guys that kind of feels like he could be, um, this seems like a textbook thing. They must teach this in a class somewhere in the players' union of, hey, are you over the age of 35? and you still want to play, tell the teams that you feel like you could mentor the rookies and bring stability <laughs> to the rotation. Because we saw Chuck say it. <laughs> seen, and Chase Anderson said the same thing, where he feels like he could bring some stability to that rotation, help mentor some more of these young pitchers, which Rockies are going to need it. And like you said on that, that game for Anderson, that was Good. The home plate umpire wasn't doing anybody any favors. So that probably contributed to a lot of those walks too, having to throw extra pitches in that hundred pitch count. But he, we've seen those glimpses of what he can do to be a successful competitive pitcher. Now he hasn't been elite, but he can show what it means to just be competitive. And a lot of those games, a lot of those starts he's had this season with the Rockies before, you no know, running in some tough times and some arm trouble, you know, just fatigue with his arm. Is he's been effective and a solid you no know, back of the rotation piece, a kind of piece that you want in a rotation. So again, we don't want to fall into a Jose Urania situation where then you put all your eggs in that basket of, well, we signed him for three million dollars and you know, we're, he's going to be one of our starters. Yeah, you maybe it needs to be the right price personally. But then taking stock of where we at with our pitchers that we already have in-house. You've got Ryan Feltner. He's probably going to take a spot. What are we doing with Austin Gomber? And how's he doing? Peter Lambert. So what, next year it's already Freeland. Lambert will assume. Feltner, we can assume. And maybe Gomber. That leaves one spot open. That's up for grabs, so to speak. 
does Anderson fill that role or is there somebody else in the minors that you're going to really look at in spring training, you know, to fill that spot? It's tough because again, in, in double A and triple A, there's not a lot of what I would consider big league ready pitchers. Um, Noah Davis is still working on riding the ship down in triple A. You've got Jeff Criswell, who was pretty bad for most of the season, but has started to put things together here at the tail end of the triple A season. And that's about it. And uh-huh. yeah, and maybe some guys who are in double A who are going to be in double A really impress in camp and gun for that extra spot. Or maybe Chase Anderson can fill that spot. I tell you who's probably not going to fill that spot, though, is Chris Flexen. Yeah, probably not. Um, it's, it's It really feels like if you're going to stick with who's already on the roster right now, they'd pick between Ty Block and... Chase Anderson. So, yeah, Chris Flexen, yeah, he can flex on out of here. Yeah, really disappointing because I actually really wanted us to pick up Chris Flexen. This was a, a signing that I was completely behind. And, you know, unfortunately, it's just been a really tough season for him. He's got an ERA of 7.22 over the entire season and a war of negative 1.3. Um, at Coors Field, he's not been as effective. He's got an ERA of 574 at Coors Field over 26 and two-thirds innings. But it's really just since joining the Rockies in late July, he only has one quality start, and that was on August 20th against the Chicago White Sox, a, another team that's very much in the vein of the Rockies of severely underperforming with frustrating mm-hmm front office and ownership, but, uh, against competitive teams, especially he has, he has really struggled, uh, his outing recent outing against the, uh, against the diamondbacks comes to mind where he only went for two and a third innings. It's, it's tough. And I, de- I definitely hope he turns it around. Um, you know, he's only 29, but I think if you're making a choice between, like you said, those three, maximum veteranosity pitchers of Ty Block and Chase Anderson and Chris Flexen, you're going to lean more towards Chase Anderson and even probably Ty Block before you would bring back Flexen at this point, just with how he's performed. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. you sign him to a minor league deal or something with an invite to spring training. Um, but there's much more of an obvious spot for Anderson and even Ty Block because, you know, Block can do long relief. Yeah. Or if Flexen wants to stick around, we know what he has to do. Just say the magic words. See, but it only works sometimes. Yeah, but it's worth a chance. But it's that thing where it seems like the Rockies at times have proven they can't take a pitcher that's already struggling, has already been struggling, and then magically fix him. We're not the Tampa Bay Rays here with Robert Stevenson who's now one of their best relievers, one of the best relievers in all of baseball currently because he went to the Tampa Bay Rays. So the Rockies have shown they haven't been able to do that. They might make a couple of tweaks to improve a guy just a little bit, but there's no drastic overhaul to make a Chris Flexen into an immediate ace. He's struggling in the struggles that caused him to get released or get traded by the Mariners and released by the Mets have continued to plague him here. And 
<laughs> a lot of those, a lot of those things. So Chase Anderson, he's already an established product. There's little minor tweaks and things that he can do, but there's no mass overhaul to anything to try and improve his career because he's what, 35, 36. He's well set in his ways, but he that makes it like, okay, this is less of a project and he's a guy that can you know, we can trust to put out there because he related it back to his experience of being with the with the Brewers under a during a rebuild, so to speak, and how quickly it turned into a playoff caliber team through a quick little rebuild. And part of that was having those veterans that can mentor and help write the ship. And he feels he could fill that role and could have that yeah. same kind of effect. The Rockies could have that same kind of turnaround here. And you, know, you look at how competitive they've been against these good teams that are in the playoff hunt, that are in the wild card race right now between the Cubs and the Giants and all these good teams they played in August and September. You could see like, man, if they just shuffle and get some right, more right pieces in here, this is a team that could turn it around in the, in the coming years, 2024, 2025 rather quickly. And Chase Anderson sees that. And I think he, if he can be that stable, bring some stability, even if early in the season, in April, like okay, this will give our some of our prospects more time to cook, figure things some things out down in in April and in Albuquerque and such. Then maybe you take a chance on him and hopefully sign him to a reasonable minor league deal or like a one year deal, some cheap hopefully. <laughs> But I do like what you said about, you know, the Rockies aren't necessarily going to take a take a picture pitcher who's struggling and fix him. If anything, sometimes we get pitchers who are having to fix what the Rockies did to them. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, you've got Noah Davis on Triple A, who's trying to who said that he's trying to get back to the kind of picture that he was when he was with the Cincinnati Reds organization. Yeah, uh, trying to wash the stink off or something. That's a deeper conversation that we'll have to have another time that we've lamented before, but mass overhaul and changes need to be made. So pitchers don't feel like they're trapped here and getting ruined (laughs) by the Rockies. It's been, it's always been a problem. And, and like you said, you know, elite, elite pitchers aren't going to come here and we're probably not even going to be turning out elite pitching talent, but we don't necessarily need elite next season. What we need is, you know, sometimes guys like Chase Anderson, guys who are going to be solid back of rotation inning eater pitchers, mm-hmm. who will if, who will give us a chance. If Jordan Lyles can continue to make a career for himself doing whatever the heck he's doing, and as bad as he's been, and still making all that money, there's a spot. There's a spot for a Jordan Lyles on every team. And hey, uh, Kansas City Royals. Uh, became the first team to break the 100 loss mark. It wasn't the Rockies, and surprisingly, it wasn't the A's. Woo! We're getting there, though. We'll see. We just got to win 15 more. Is that where we're at right now? Something like that. Uh, our record is or 10 54, more? 54 and 92. Ooh, so nine we more. We cannot lose eight more games. That'll be interesting. 
But we're going to take another quick ad break here. Uh, stick around with us when we get back. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, about the minor leagues. How's that sound? Yeah, sure. All right, we'll be right back. Well, don't sound so enthusiastic, Skyler. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that second ad break. Let's do a little bit of spring cleaning when it comes to the Rockies farm system, I think. Decent amount of stuff to talk about here. Uh, probably the first on our list is that the the Fresno Grizzlies, the Rockies low A affiliate out in Fresno, California, had a really, really great season. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely fantastic. They had the best overall record in the California League. Really, really fun team to watch. Lots of exciting young players. Uh, my favorite is their closer, Zach Agnos. And somehow, despite finishing with the best record in the California League, they did not make the playoffs. Yeah, that's just kind of a <laughs> the nature of the minors when they do the first and second half winners, where it doesn't matter what you do cumulatively because your record resets. No, at the halfway mark, because then they start tracking what it is for that half. And they just come up short in both halves, don't get to make the playoffs, but then overall have the best record. So it <laughs> it's just funny that that's just how it works in the minor leagues. But yeah, phenomenal season for Fresno. This They've had, since joining the Rockies organization, Fresno is just continually just a powerhouse team in that Carolina league. Or California League, not Carolina. But they've been phenomenal down there. Uh, they have that infrastructure. And this is when I talked to Stephen Rice, an interview you can find in our podcast feeds and on our YouTube channel. My chat with Stephen Rice, the play-by-play voice of the Grizzlies. They have that infrastructure and culture uh, from their history as a AAA affiliate in the past. But then they bring that entire infrastructure and stuff down to a low A level and i think he said like joining the rockies has been like one of the best things to happen to the organization is they get they have this wonderful talent they have an incredible coaching staff and the rockies it's a testament to some of the rockies drafting and developing there in that lower level where they're having guys that come in and are just phenomenal and the teams are coming together and Fresno is a great baseball town, and I know that they were disappointed to uh, see them no longer be a Triple A team out there at Chuck Tansy Park. But they're still coming out to support the team. Uh, the Fresno Grizzlies had one of the best attendance rates in all of Low A this year. Mm-hmm. That's awesome to see, and they're they're fielding always. It's always exciting to watch the Grizzlies because the youngest and most exciting guys are on that team. Um, you know, I mentioned Zach Agnos, who he's 22 years old. This was his first full season. In 47 appearances, he had 27 saves, 52 and a third innings with an ERA of just 2.06. That's super, super solid. Lots of strikeouts, too. 68 strikeouts compared to 13 walks. And there's other fun pitching down there, too. You've got guys like Braxton Hyde, Bryce McGowan. Uh, Michael Prosecki was a was a really nice surprise this year. He had an area of 272 and 21 starts and 109 innings pitched. A, a ton of strikeouts for him as well, 125 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. And then you turn around, and on the position side of the ball, you've got guys who are who are just drafted and just coming out of the Arizona Fall League and hitting their first professional uh, professional season. You got guys like Cole Carrig, Kyle Karros. Great, great team to watch. I always love watching them. Skyler Messenger. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Dion Dion Jorge was really good this year. Yeah, just super fun and. And we love we love the Fresno Grizzlies. I'm super happy to have them as one of our affiliates. And it's not it's it's not often that you hear somebody say the Rockies were the best thing to happen to us. Yeah, and <laughs> the organization just supports them down there. It's a good union, it sounds like, and a lot of fun down there. Because then they're the stepping stone. They're the building block. And what better way to begin your you know, journey through the Rockies organization towards the big leagues than have a team that has a nice foundation and know the infrastructure and stuff to build towards getting to the back because they're basically joining what was a triple a organization but now it's at the no the bottom step instead of at the top step towards the big leagues and that just elevates the rest of the the organization system so good for them yeah, so big, big congratulations to a great season for the Fresno Grizzlies. Uh, next on the list is the uh, High A Spokane Indians. Uh, Spokane finishes a little bit below 500 this year with a 62 and 67 overall record. Kind of a disappointing season for them, but they were still a fun team to watch when you had the ability to watch them. One of my unfortunate gripes is that uh, Spokane games are rarely televised. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can't really take advantage of MILB TV or your MLB TV subscription to watch them like you can other teams in the farm system. Um, but always a treat to watch them when you could. And, mm-hmm. you know, they had a lot of really, really fun talent. Um, talent. <laughs> they had a lot of really fun talent this year. Um, it's a tough step up from high A to um, from low A to high A. And we saw that this year. But still, um, you know, lots of interesting guys coming through that system. We had some interesting players on rehab assignments there. So you had Brennan Rogers and Sean Bouchard and Tyler Kinley all have rehab assignments in Spokane this year. Um, that was that was fun to watch. Um, probably the the most exciting pitcher that they had down there on me was uh gerard candy who um in 19 starts posted a 3.25 era over 105 and one third innings Uh, another good strikeout guy 109 strikeouts to just 26 walks um mason albright pitched for a bit down there as well bryce mcgowan um and evan justice started his season down there and made it all the way to the big leagues this year uh where Evan Justice made 10 appearances and didn't allow a single earned run to start the season with Spokane. They also had, you know, Sterling Thompson, Jordan Beck, spend some time down there, start the season down there. They're all up in double A. Carson Palmquist has had a overall a good season. And now he's up in double A doing stuff. And so we're, we see a lot of where Spokane is that kind of that midway stopping point where, they can either just spend a, a brief amount of time there and then get moved up or they end up spending the whole season there. And we saw Benny Montgomery has been there pretty much all season. So it's a good building block place. And uh, again, another one of those good challenges, but where if you really succeed there, the Rockies are going to be quick to move you up to double a to Hartford. So it's, it's an interesting place, but, Still a good organization for structure there up in the Pacific Northwest. And yeah, it's still a really good season. 62-67, not too shabby 
overall. And you know, they still don't have a have a they haven't had a title in a couple of years. They have a great Twitter account, X account. Uh, it's Twitter. really fun. It's Twix. Uh, they have a good account there. They're a pretty fun organization. And uh, hey, if they want to start broadcasting games, I uh, will move out to Washington and bring a camera and just video game video the games myself and do play by play. I would gladly do that. I'll gladly do that job. And the thing I love love about Spokane, you know, you mentioned it being a good stopping point or, or midway point. We we had also guys like uh, Adele Amador and Ryan Ritter down there as uh, as well for a little bit. But then you have other guys um, who who really shine this year that didn't really get a lot of a spot the spotlight. Uh, unfortunately, he ended the season injured. But uh, Zach Kakoska had a really really good season down there with Spokane mm-hmm. this year. Uh, Braxton Fulford made his uh made his stop down there as well he's up with hartford now it's the the middle in my opinion some of the most interesting games to watch are the ones in those middle levels of the farm system and your 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 high a and your double a because it's such a transitory bump mm-hmm. and we also had gabriel hughes not he unfortunately he ended up with tommy john surgery by the end of <laughs> by the end of time got it at the same time as senzatella but he started a season down there in in Spokane and was doing pretty hot and figuring things out and then moved up to double A. So it's a good little breeding ground. And if you can hit the ground running when you get to Spokane, you'll get a quick bump up to, to Hartford. But yeah, it's a shame we can't watch them more. Yeah. And uh, team you can watch is uh, pretty frequently is the Hartford Yard Goats, double A affiliate. They had a pretty tough season this year, 57 and 75 overall record under manager Chris D'Onofria. They're going to miss the playoffs, but they, they've they been eliminated for a hot minute. Um, but that doesn't mean that they weren't a fun team to watch. A big thing this year was uh, pitchers tr- kind of um, struggling to find their footing in mm-hmm. – Double A, but the ones who did were able to elevate themselves even further. Evan Justice had a really solid time in Hartford. Like we said, he made his way all the way to the majors. So did Michael Peterson and uh, Dugan Darnell, who are both now up in the Triple uh, A affiliate with Albuquerque. Um, probably the biggest name that we saw all the way up to. Double uh, A this year was like you said it was Gabriel Hughes before he ended up getting Tommy John surgery and he was he was still piecing it together. He made six uh-huh. starts for an ERA of seven and seven point one four, but he definitely was showing the flashes there that this was a this was a league that he could figure out and really hoping that he's able to come back next year or twenty twenty five I guess and be healthy and ready to go because he is such an interesting prospect in this organization probably the biggest name though this season down in in hartford is yankiel fernandez who's who's made it all the way up to hartford and he is struggling a little bit to find his footing compared to how he was doing with fresno and spokane but the uh, rockies delegate for the futures game this year has eight home runs and 25 rbis in in hartford has looked overall solid, though he's striking out a little bit, and his, his batting average and on-base percentage are a little low. Uh, same for Ryan Ritter, who who was really, really good in 
uh, low A and high A, but is is still working on finding his footing at the double A level. The guy who didn't really need to find his footing was Hunter Goodman, who had 25 home runs in a not as hitter friendly league down with Hartford. Then he made his way up to triple A, lit the world on fire, and now the rest is history. And then you know, I'd be remiss to talk about Hartford without mentioning Drew Romo, who's really at the tail end of the season been putting things together very, very nicely. Um, overall hitting uh, 253, 313, 441 with 13 home runs and 47 runs batted in, 18 doubles, two triples, and just a really strong defensive catcher as well. It's nice to see him finally putting it together, and I think we'll see him at AAA or, or higher next year. Yeah. It's a, the couple of those guys, Drew Romo. Uh, oh, Zach Bean was dealing with the injury, so he didn't have a great year down in 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 Double A. But Drew Romo was having a good year. Jordan Beck has had a pretty strong year as well as Sterling Thompson. Those guys are future pieces. So good for them in Hartford. They're doing solid stuff. They got a little bit of time left here in the season still, uh, but just good to see them keep on a growing and keep on a rocking and. Fun to see where these guys end up next year as they continue to storm their way up to the big league level. And where that brings us to finally is the AAA Albuquerque Isotopes, who are still in it. Uh, They are not yet eliminated from playoff contention. They are five games. uh, Sorry, they are four games back in their division in the uh, PCL behind the Round Rock Express and the Oklahoma City Dodgers with an overall record excuse me overall record sitting at 63 and 79 and you know we're, we're wishing them luck hopefully they can squeak into the playoffs here that'd be really cool the the real thing to talk about with albuquerque this year has been the the struggles of the pitching staff walks especially have been really bad this year in Albuquerque. Uh, We mentioned Jeff Criswell a little bit earlier. Jeff Criswell in 116 innings pitched and 28 starts has 69 walks. Nice. Not nice. And the um, the the BB nines up there are are pretty tough. You have guys who have BB nines of eight and nine and seven. Yeah, so it's a it's a little tough, and that's definitely something that I would like to see improve next year. But you do have some guys who are standing out. You know, Evan Justice was pretty solid down there for a little bit. Uh, Ty Block was was great down there, working as both a starter and a reliever. You've got Noah Davis who's working on putting together the pieces to try and become uh, a pitcher, like we said, more more like what he was like when he was down in um, with the Cincinnati Reds organization. Uh, probably the guy who stands out the most is 28-year-old Chance Adams, who's got a 399 ERA, which is pretty strong for somebody pitching down in the PCL. Um, and we also had, uh, you know, Tommy Doyle also been very, very good down there. 30 outings, um, ERA of 2.65. So the pitching's not all bad down there. But really, what always turns heads down in Albuquerque is the offense and and you've got some guys who are really standing out who you wouldn't necessarily think so um probably one of my favorites is outfielder jimmy heron who's quietly put together a uh 0.916 ops season with 18 home runs but then you've got you know when he was down there alaris montero proving that he's got nothing left to give the pcl it's it's big leagues are bust for him uh aaron shunk had a really good season 
it's nice to have Winton Bernard back, fan favorite down in Albuquerque. And then you've got guys like Nolan Jones and Hunter Goodman, who during their time with the isotopes just were absolutely blisteringly hot to the point where there was no excuse to not have them on the big league roster anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan Pacheco doing some good stuff down there in AAA Albuquerque. Uh, these Rockies just really have to figure out pitching, pitching depth. Uh, that's been the glaring problem for Albuquerque is just they haven't had starting pitching to have down there. Uh, they're getting slowly some more, but they got to figure out how to help these guys be successful there so they can be successful at Coors Field. Yeah, though granted, success in the PCL doesn't always translate. Uh, Chris Flexen and Denelson Lamette both had, for the limited time that they were down in AAA this year, both were really good, and then that unfortunately didn't translate to big league success. Mm-hmm. Um, but go Topes. Hopefully they can clinch a playoff spot. If not, still a overall pretty good season. Been a lot of fun to watch. And they're, they're one of those ones where every one of their games is televised for the most part. So mm-hmm. you can always turn on your MLB TV and pop on a Topes game. And I recommend you do so. Uh, last couple things that we will um, kind of just sort out general housekeeping uh it's been announced that pitcher Jaden hill and outfielder benny montgomery are going to be the first two delegates for the rockies in the arizona fall league which is coming up hot on the heels of the end of the season this year um arizona fall league is very good i I consider it like a finishing school of if you go to the arizona fall league it means they think you're getting close which makes it weird when like (laughs) zach veen just tore it up last year and then just comes out of the gate struggling Oh, turns out his wrist is jacked up. Yeah, his wrist is turned into spaghetti. But yeah, I'm Benny. I'm there's people that are still skeptical about Benny Montgomery. I'm pretty high on Benny still. I think he's going to be a good piece. He just has to continue to make some minor tweaks and and iron things out so he can be more consistent. Tap into it. He's a funky stance, funky looking player, but <laughs> a good outfielder. I think he's. Oh, he's if he can put together the offensive side and consistently, you know, he's going to be a good center fielder for the Rockies. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing his continual growth. Same with Jaden Hill. You no, know, he's one of those pitchers that they're really high on, and you no, know, another one of those guys. Maybe like we talked about, he could be one of those prospects that battles for a spot in that rotation sooner rather than later, which we all know we need it. Yeah. Um, speaking of Zach Veen, Zach Veen is going to play winter ball in Puerto Rico as he recovers from his wrist surgery. Um, he should be able to play uh, during the time winter ball comes about. So he's going to be headed down to Puerto Rico to make up on lost time and see if he can get some of his uh, some of his mojo back. Um, you know, yeah. Veen had a tough season this year. and We were all wondering, you know, Veen's really underperforming. Do we be worried? And it turns out we need to be worried for a different reason, which is that he had that wrist injury that he'd been struggled with been struggling with since the 2022 all-star break. And finally he couldn't play through it anymore and had to get surgery. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he tears it up in Puerto Rico and we can see him do awesome things in spring training. Mm-hmm. And, the, uh, and the Rockies, uh, one of the assistant hitting coaches like Andy Gonzalez or something uh, is going to be there with that Puerto Rico team. So that's partly why they're sending him to that winter ball team just to have that Rockies connection there down there to help him out so best of luck I know to a him. couple i know a couple other guys who are thinking about playing winter ball um so we'll see who goes 
Uh, I know uh, Alaris Montero played winter ball last year. And, you know, winter, winter ball is, is a great resource for guys to go and continue playing and putting together competitive at-bats and developing skills. I know um, Ryan Spielworks has spoken very, very highly of playing winter ball. And I think it's it's a great resource for our guys to utilize. It can be a lot of fun baseball to watch. Mm-hmm. And then you know, last but not least, uh, Chase Dollander, our first overall draft pick this year, um, didn't end up pitching professionally for the Rockies this year, but he is headed down to the Arizona Complex League. While their season is over, he's going to be out at the Arizona Complex and he's going to be pitching for a little bit uh, in the near future. Yeah, he's been down there. Uh, after he got drafted, he basically like Rockies were like, yeah, just kind of rest. And because this is usually what they do with these college pitchers, pitching all that season, and then you know, giving him time to rest and recuperate and, and reset to try and help him with his tweaks to get him back to where he was you know, in 2022 when he was projected to be a really high draft pick. But he's been down there in Arizona working, throwing bullpens, and they're working towards getting him to pitch into pitch into some sort of game type situations down there. No, just like 10 innings or so here at the end of September, early October, uh, just to kind of get him, get him into that spot to start making his journey. So if people have been wondering where Chase Dolander's, why hasn't he been pitching or anything? They just wanted to rest him and mental reset, body reset, yeah, but when you have a guy a, who just here. pitched a who just pitched a long college season and had struggles, it's uh you give him you give him a little bit of a rest. And and for Chase, it's going to be interesting to see how he does over the off season and what he does to continue to develop and work because he could start anywhere from as low as the Arizona Complex League to High A next year uh-huh. in terms of where he a. could start his professional career. Um, so we'll we'll definitely see where he hen- where he ends up. Yeah, good stuff. But I think that is going to do it for us here on Affected by Altitude. Skyler, where can the folks find you at on the socials? You can find me at sideline underscore crowd over there on the Twitter X, uh, which is my favorite kind of window cleaning solution. Uh, And also on Blue Sky at stimmons13 that whatever the rest of that junk is but yeah and also wednesday rock piles uh and be sure to check out a new episode of every rocky ever that released this past friday where we talked about jorge de la rosa it was a fun one to look at his career definitely worth checking out and i i love dlr so i'm glad that you guys did an episode on him i knew it was coming at some point but how can you not love jorge de la rosa Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm not. Ca- I'm. I'm not going to call it that. Uh, find me at Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang two seven. I would love to hear from you. I am also on Blue Sky at Blue Sky at Evan Lang two seven dot bsky dot social. You can find us on the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's at R O C K Y M T N Rooftop. And you can find me writing the Thursday Rock Pile over on www.purplerow.com. You can also find some of our writing on the Fans First Sports Network website, which you can find shorthand at ffsn.app. Good stuff. And look forward to stuff coming up as the season draws to a close. Over on Purple Row, we're going to be doing stuff like ranking the Rockies and other off-season wrap-ups. So stick around. We'll keep having 
plenty of content for you, even as the season draws to a close. But thanks so much for for sticking with us today. Thanks for joining us in another episode of Affected by Altitude. If you're listening on a platform like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we would really appreciate if you give us a rating and left us a comment. You know, obviously five stars is appreciated, but every little bit helps. And yeah, just continue supporting us. We always appreciate you. But that'll do it for us today. Skylar, how about you? Hit him with it. <clears throat> It's not what you do, but who you are. Oh, no, I ruined that quote. Oh, I blew it, Evan. Farewell! Why do we fall, Master Wayne? So we can learn to pick ourselves up again. You're so busy trying to be Batman. I'm Mark O'Kane. No, brother. They expect one of us in the wreckage. Rachel! It will be very painful. For you. When Coors Field is ashes, then you have my permission to cry. Farewell! Oh, how I got these scars. My watch of the Rockies. <laughs>